Acts chapter 16, verse 14. And a certain woman named Lydia, seller of purple of the city of Thyatira, which worshiped God, heard us, whose heart the Lord opened, that she attended unto the things which were spoken of Paul. I'd like to speak for the next little while on this subject, an open door to an open heart. An open door to an open heart. God bless you. Please be seated. Amen. Over the past few weeks, uh, we've been focusing on affirming the message of the church. We talk a lot about the message and the mission. Mission is to get the message to everyone, everywhere. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, the oneness of God, including his humanity and his deity. And the polarizing power of the gospel last Wednesday night, how the gospel is like a sword that sometimes divides the sincere from the insincere, those who receive the word of God from those who reject the word of God. Tonight, building on the truth of our message, we're going to kind of shift our focus to the mission of the church. This coming Sunday, Brother Joel will be ministering. Next Wednesday, Brother John Turner will be ministering. On October 22nd, the week before our missions conference, I plan to preach on our missions conference theme that I know all of you read in the messenger and probably memorized that article. Thank you for memorizing that article. But you can plan for the exam. You can study ahead for the 22nd by reading the article, My World, My Mission. But we're looking at Acts chapter 16 tonight, a very fascinating passage of Scripture. The book of Acts is strategically positioned in the New Testament, the fifth book. It is a sequel to the book of Luke, written by Dr. Luke. It records the early history of the church. It chronicles the expansion of the church from Jerusalem, Samaria, excuse me, Jerusalem, Judea, the province, Samaria, the neighboring province with a different culture, and to the uttermost part of the earth. But the book of Acts also demonstrates the triumph of the gospel over every barrier. I love to teach an entire message on that theme because the book of Acts is a test case that no matter what comes against the church, nothing can stop God's church. Truth will always prevail. Amen. In Acts chapter 16, we've got a, an interesting story uh, that leads us to the conversion of this woman named Lydia. And I find in Acts chapter 16, uh, what to me is an open door principle. The Bible contains various references to God opening a door, an opportunity, creating uh, an avenue through which the gospel can be preached. But the Macedonian call of Acts chapter 16 stands out to me above the rest. Acts 16, 6. We're going to read through this portion of the story, make a couple applications, and get into the story of Lydia. Now, when they had gone, excuse, yeah, throughout Phrygia and the region of Galatia, 
and were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia. After they were coming to Mycenae, they essayed to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit suffered them not. They're striking out, right? Trying to find a place to preach. And they passing by Mycenae came down to Troas. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. There stood a man of Macedonia and asked and prayed him, come over into Macedonia and help us. And after verse 10 is pretty neat. And after he, Paul, had seen the vision, immediately we, Luke, now joins the story in what is called the we narratives of the book of Acts. We endeavored to go into Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. Therefore, loosing from Troas, we came with a straight course to Samothracia and the next day to Neapolis and from thence to Philippi, which is the chief city of that part of Macedonia and a colony. And we were in that city abiding certain days. Here we are on location. What's next? That's the background. Well, there's a few things I want to point out about this passage. First of all, Paul and his company were not just goofing around. They weren't having church as usual. They were very focused on the mission of the church. They were on mission. Acts chapter 16, verse 1 begins the second missionary journey of the apostle Paul. Starting from Antioch in Syria, the early church became a missionary sending church. In Acts chapter 16, Paul and his company are directed of the Lord to pursue this mission. And they're focused on fulfilling the great commission given by Jesus Christ. And as the Lord promised, he's working with them. And as I mentioned, they're not keeping the status quo of the church. They're actually doing what the church is called to do. Go make disciples of all people. And there's a principle in this passage of divine guidance. Even though we're told to go, we just don't spastically go. We go with guidance from God. Mark chapter 16, 20 says that they went everywhere. The Lord working with them, confirming the word with signs following. The early church was submitted to the leadership of the Holy Ghost. From the very first book of uh, first verse in the book of Acts, we read about the plan for this book. Luke writes to Theophilus, the former treaties of I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and to teach. He's referring to the book of Luke. He said, Theophilus, I wrote you the book of Luke so you would understand. Of course, it's for all of us. Everything that Jesus began both to do and teach. And he says, till the time he was taken up. So the book of Acts is going to be a continuation of all that Jesus Christ continues both to do and to teach. But now he's not in the days of his flesh. Not, now he's not walking around in sandals. Now he is walking in his church. He is still doing, he is still teaching, but he's doing it by the Holy Ghost and he's doing it through the church. And I just want to make sure you get it that in 2023, God is still doing and teaching through the Holy Ghost, through his church. That's still the way God is working. 
And I love that little hint that Luke gives uh, to Theophilus and to all of us is that Luke told you about what Jesus did in the days of his flesh. But Jesus said, greater works than these shall you do. I go to my Father. I'm going to send back my spirit. Now it's not going to be contained in one body. Now it's going to be contained in the body of Christ, the church. Now today, millions of people all over the world. Amen? Amen. So there's a principle of divine guidance that the Lord is leading. And then there's this idea of knocking. When a door is closed, you don't just say, well, it must not be the will of God for me to preach or do the will of God or witness. We'll just go home, pack our bags and go home. But in this passage, we see Paul waiting, listening, praying, knocking on the door for opportunity. Now, the Bible says that they were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word of God in Asia. Look at Acts 16, 6. Gone through Alphagia, region of Galatia, forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia. Now, this is interesting because my guess is that Asia was lost. The people that lived in Asia needed the gospel. They needed somebody to preach to them. But evidently, for reasons I do not know, and the Bible does not share, the timing was not right for that provincial area, not all of the continent of Asia, but this region of Asia, maybe Asia Minor. Later, in Acts chapter 19, Paul spends two years in a school of Tyrannus, and the Bible said in the space of two years that all Asia heard the word. So God had a plan for Asia, but Acts 16 was not time for Asia. So that's fascinating how God says no now, but yes later. Then, you know, you would think that it's time for them to move to the next area. So verse 7 says, came through Mycenae, tried, assayed to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit suffered them not. Strike two. We want to go over into this area and preach the gospel. These are Greek cities, Jewish colonies. They're lost, but God says no. Now, I see a lot of prayer being involved here as Paul is testing the waters, seeking the mind of God, waiting on direction, trying to figure out what the Lord wants him to do next. But he doesn't just kind of boldly blunder into these areas. He's praying for an open door that will lead to an open heart because it's important for us to believe that somewhere there's a, la a lady like Lydia, there's a man like the man of Macedonia, and they're waiting for someone to come, and they're spiritually ripe to the gospel now. Amen. Amen. So there's this principle of knocking on the door. And then there's the principle of the open door. They come to Troas on the coast of the Aegean Sea, verse 8. And they, passing by Mycenae, came down to Troas. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. There stood a man of Macedonia and begged him, prayed him, saying, come over into Macedonia and help us. I think that 16 is instructive. It's an example of how we can discover doors of opportunity in the early church. Following the leadership of the Holy Ghost brought divine direction and an open door to Paul. And years ago, in I, 1994, actually, uh, we had a kind of a gathering of 
division heads at world headquarters and I was asked to speak and I spoke on this theme on Acts 16, just one facet of revival that God has this principle of a window of opportunity or an open door. And we're going to see how Paul responded to this open door. Now, there's a couple other things that I want to mention about this passage that Paul, the Bible says that once they got direction, Paul says, we immediately endeavored to go. Once we knew it was time to go, we didn't piddle around, as we say down south. We didn't get a committee together and study Macedonia for a couple of years. When God said, go, we went. And, and I feel like, and I've been involved in church work and organizational work for a long time, sometimes we're a little slow on the draw. When God gives us an open door, sometimes, you know, we, we look at that open door and wonder if this is God or not. But the Bible said that they immediately endeavored to go. And we should do that as a church, as individuals, and as an organization. And there's actually an open door fund that when nations open up now in the United Pentecostal Church, there's money sitting there waiting for us to be able to go and go quickly. Amen. Good. Now, conditions are not always right for revival. This is something that you kind of, I have to think about in Acts 16, that the world is universally lost, but the world is not universally hungry. Brother Billy Cole said that one of the keys to the revivals that he saw, as he prayed for what God wanted to do next. I remember Brother T.L. Kraft, that's my pastoral mentor, telling me about that, that he felt the Lord directed him to go to Argentina and the missionaries that were there, the history of our work in Argentina says that the crusade that he held there broke that nation open. There was a year that Brother Kraft spent about six months in Korea, and that door was open under Brother and Sister Elton Bernard, Brother David Bernard's parents. That sense that God is working and people are ready, and it's time for us to go. Move immediately. Amen. Verse 10 again. On the screen, but I just wanted you to see this last verse that we we immediately, immediately we endeavor to go, assuredly gathering. So this is such an amazing thing, and this is in this verse in Acts chapter sixteen, verse ten, is where Luke writes "we" because he joins this trip. So it begins the "we" narratives, and that's where it is in my notes. So they made up their mind; it's time to go now. But there's a second little side note to this verse. Paul said, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. They had an amazing faith that when they got there, something was going to happen. Because now that God has opened the door, now that God has given direction, we're going to go immediately, but we're going to go in faith because we know that something is going to happen when we get there. Just an interesting phrase in verse 10 that is pretty cool to me. I like it. Amen. Now, when Paul gets to Philippi, things really don't turn out like they planned. And I'll get to the main story in a minute, but, you know, there's a riot there. They're put in prison there. So if you're going to go through 
persecution and difficulty and get arrested, beaten, thrown in jail, it's pretty good to know that the Lord has given you an open door and you can assuredly gather that God is in it. So you don't just go there and then trouble breaks out and say, well, I guess we missed the will of God. No, this must not be God. We're having problems here. There's resistance to the revival. That's not the way you have to see Acts 16. You have to see that the trouble is a result of God working in the lives of people. And that when there's trouble, God's going to turn it around. You pray and you sing praises at midnight. God sends an earthquake, opens the door of the prison. The jailer is saved. All that's part of Acts 16. So this is what happened. So now we're going to make the trip to, to Philippi. 1611. Therefore, loosing from Troas, came with a straight course to Samothracia, and the next day to Neapolis. This journey from Troas to Neapolis took two days. On the way back, it took them five days. Now, maybe the wind was blowing. Maybe there were prevailing winds. But all I know is that when God is in it, and you decide it's time to go now, that God can expedite the journey and help you get there quicker. In verse 12. And from thence to Philippi, which is the chief city or the first city of that part of Macedonia, it's a colony. We're in that city abiding certain days. Now, the vision said to come to Macedonia. Macedonia was separate from Greece at that time. Uh, it was most of the part of Greece, former Yugoslavia, Bulgaria. There are two famous Macedonian kings, Philip, his son, Alexander, uh, were part of the Greco-Macedonian Empire, became a Roman province in 146 BC. Because it's a Roman colony, it means the government mirrored Rome. There was an outpost there organized by the Roman government. So it's a pretty important city, Philippi. Uh, Thessalonica may have been more of a chief city, another great city, but Philippi is a, a first city uh, governed by, by magistrates called, uh, uh, by, pardon me, called praetors and Attendants called lictors. So later in this chapter, Paul and Silas are brought before the magistrates. So Paul is told to come to this region of Macedonia, but he goes to Philippi. Now, I also find this fascinating. Uh, in our North American missions effort, we realize that there's a concentration of people in cities. So if God calls you to an area, maybe you want to go to a population center that has influence. So the, the vision did not say come to Philippi. It said come to Macedonia. And I believe God directed them to the city of Philippi, which is, is interesting. And Philippi is famous for a battle that happened in 42 BC and uh, maybe 40 legions of soldiers that took place there. It's an amazing thing. And Philippi, by the way, is the first European city that Paul preaches in. So that's also fascinating. So we've got this divine direction that leads to an open door. Now we're going to see how this open door leads to an open heart. Paul gets to this strange city. They don't know anybody. They don't have a contact. They don't have a phone number. They don't have an email address. They don't have a physical address. They don't know anybody. They're in Europe. It's now like another continent. The culture is different. And they're probably praying. The Bible said we 
where there are certain days. We don't know how many days certain days was, but they're there for a while trying to figure out, you know, what's God doing and where's there a hungry heart? If there's an open door, surely there's an open heart here. But the prospects of revival in Philippi are really not that, that promising. They don't know anybody. And there is not a Jewish synagogue there to record. Now, if in an area there happen to be 10 Jewish families, you could have a synagogue. But less than 10 families, no synagogue. There is no mention of a synagogue in Philippi. So you would think from that, that there's not a lot of Jewish people there who have this rich background, you know, and the promise of a Messiah to come. And so they're just there and they're praying and they're trying to figure out what to do and they hear about a prayer meeting. They hear that there's some Jewish women that go down by the river, probably the river Ganges, and uh, they're gonna pray there. So it's on the Sabbath day. So these women are either proselytes or God-fearers. They're looking to Jehovah God. They're trying to study the Old Testament, and they're, they're seeking God. They're very sincere. And uh, so the apostles, they go to this ladies' prayer meeting. Amen. Not enough men, Jewish men in the city, to have a synagogue. If there was a synagogue, they could have gone there like Jesus did and stand up to read and you know, hope they'd give you an opportunity to, to testify at the synagogue, but they don't have that. They get there, and among the people who are there, we have this focus on Lydia. She is a woman who worshiped God, a Gentile who was a proselyte of the gate, and as much as a woman could be. She's a very successful businesswoman, a seller of purple cloth. She hails from the city of Thyatira, which was renowned for this very expensive purple dye that made purple garments. And this area of Thyatira belonged to the ancient kingdom of Lydia. And maybe her name was like a business name. She might have been known as the Lydian lady, the lady who has come to Philippi to set up a shop and to sell purple cloth, dyed in her hometown. And you'll see that she's probably pretty successful. Acts 16, 14. A certain woman named Lydia, seller of purple of the city of Thyatira, which worshiped God. So I want to pause right there. There are people in our city that may not be one that's Pentecostal, but they may be successful or not, but they may worship God like Lydia. Just whatever she knew to do, that's what she did. The Bible said she heard us. She didn't see us. She didn't just witness our Jewish attire. She heard us down by the riverside whose heart the Lord opened. How shall they hear without a preacher? So they testify. Lydia hears the word. Faith comes by hearing hearing by the word of God. And when Lydia hears this preaching, the apostolic preaching of the resurrected Christ, the, the kerygma is how it is, right? They hear them preaching Jesus. The Lord opens her heart. Pretty incredible. 
that the Lord, Lydia, is listening. And God opens her heart. And then the Bible said she attended to the things that were spoken. What an amazing testimony. We spoke to the women. Lydia was listening. God opened her heart. And she followed. She embraced what she was hearing from the Apostle Paul. And if you read what he preached, he preached Jesus. Amen. Death, burial, resurrection, Holy Ghost, power, baptism in Jesus' name. Verse 15. She was baptized and her household. You know, like Cornelius in Acts chapter 10. We think, you know, the, the Bible has chosen the poor of this world, rich in faith, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But there's some noble and some wealthy people who are sincere. Lydia is one of them. She besought us. She begged them. She said, if you've judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house. Bring your whole group of missionaries, and I want you guys to stay here. I mean, there's no days in. There's no Red Reef in. There's no Hyatt Regency. There's nothing much in the city of Philippi, the hotel industry, and not taken off in those days too much, right? So they relied on hospitality. And I read in my studies that Luke talks about hospitality quite a bit because that's how they went from place to place. They had to have a place to stay. So not only does God give them their first convert, he gives them their lodging and I'm sure meals and everything that went with it. Now here's another little intriguing fact about this story. Remember the vision that Paul had? Paul saw a vision in the middle of the night. It was a man of Macedonia he said, come over into Macedonia and help us. And lo and behold, the first convert is a woman, not a man. So I don't know why that was. Maybe if Paul would have saw a lady saying, come over to Macedonia, he might have wondered if this was God or not. I don't know. You know, I don't think so. But, but it's just intriguing to me that God knew how to get Paul there. And then God knew how, who had an open heart. And it was this woman, Lydia, an open door to an open heart, and this vision leads them there, and she becomes the host of the missionaries. Now, a couple of application points, and we're going to pray. Open doors are God's way of leading us to open hearts. We are led by the Spirit of God, and just as Paul in Acts chapter 16, sometimes as we're praying, knocking, God says no. It makes perfect sense, Lord, that we ought to go there. I mean, it's right there. We're here and it's there. Nope. Paul, that's, that's not the place. Okay, God. Knock on this door. What about going to Bithynia? That's, that looks good. Sorry, Paul. Not there. God leads us. But then we know that when God opens the door, that he is leading us to an open heart. But it takes following the Holy Ghost. It takes speaking the word of God. Notice I didn't say preaching, because then you'll exclude yourself. Teaching, preaching, testifying the word of God. Because as, ma as open as Lydia's heart was, she was not saved until she heard. And when she heard, the Lord opened her heart she attended to those things and was baptized. Let's stand right now.
as a church, taught for many years that we intercede in prayer. We pray for people. And then we invest in relationships. And then when we invest in relationships, we invite them to dinner, invite them to do a Bible study, invite them to come to a church, invite them to a small group, which, by the way, small groups are one of the ways we find common ground to lead people to holy ground. But common ground is everywhere in your life, every day, where you meet people who are lost. You never know, you never know who God is going to reach. But every open door leads to an open heart, and we want to go there. Tonight when we pray, we're going to pray the prayer of Second Chronicles seven fourteen that as we seek God's face, he'll open the windows of heaven to us, right? He'll, he'll hear us from heaven. And we want to pray that it, whatever we ask in the name of Jesus Christ, that he will do.